Welcome to the Vol Bros. My name is Evan. This is my brother, Rustin, and we are two Vol Bros who are actually bros. And man, oh man, what a day it was. If you had tickets to the baseball and softball games today on Rocky Top, because baseball continued their series against Vanderbilt in game two, softball started their series against Florida. Both of them were ranked opponents, and both of them got annihilated today <laughs> uh tennessee brought well, i was gonna say brought the wood but i guess brought the alloy metal um and i mean they were hitting the ball all over the place uh let's start off with the the baseball team 17 to 1 win uh i think they said there was a a total of 11 runs scored with two outs i think is what it was yeah. all throughout the game yeah now let me let me also say this 17 to one in seven innings. I mean, like that, that was total domination, total domination. Uh, did it, did anybody, did you see what I did with the thumbnail? Did you see that? Did you like that? That was pretty, pretty clever, yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> um, Rustin, what were your thoughts about the baseball game today? Well, it was over after the second inning. Um, you spot you spot Chase Dolander twelve runs in the first two innings or eleven runs, whatever it was. Um, he's gonna win. I mean, nobody's scoring eleven runs on him. Um, you know, so that was huge. I thought the thing that stood out the most was really two things. I love that we carried over the momentum from Friday night into Saturday afternoon. Um, it would have been very easy for them to get overly excited about that comeback win come out flat feeling like they had accomplished something and they yeah. came out and just just ripped it all over the yard um what well, probably the thing that stood out to me the most was we scored 17 runs and we only hit two home runs nine of our 11 hits were singles and doubles so which was the you know, exact every, opposite from friday night right so you know everybody was participating everybody was involved um, Christian Moore, this is a box, a box score stat that'll go unnoticed, but Christian Moore walked three times and scored all three times. You know, it, it just speaks to when you get runners on in college baseball, it, it is, it is so imperative. It, same for our pitchers. They've got to get outs. If you, if you let extra base runners get on, they're going to kill you. And Christian Moore scoring three runs on three walks is a lot of production that people just won't pay attention to. That's a good point. Yeah, I was, I was I was really really excited to see them jump jump out to a lead, uh, and my goodness, you know, eight runs in the first inning with two outs. I think it was. Yep. Uh, that that was just the first inning. I mean, that was that was incredible. Uh, the bats got you know you always hear hitting's contagious. Well, it it was today. That's for sure. Um, and you know, I really I'm I'm happy for them that they were able to pull it out. Which, by the way. The game last night, holy moly, yeah. uh, you want to talk about a drama-filled game. I mean, it was – everybody was on the edge of their seats. And then, you, you know, you come into the bottom of the ninth, down by two, lead off Homer to start the inning. Next two guys and, get out. And, and Kavaris tears crushed that ball. Like that, oh, yeah, that he did. No-doubter. Straightaway center. Um, and then, you know, Dryling gets down 0-2. With two outs, and you got the guy at the plate is O two true freshman, and then you know a one pitch ball, and then the next one, he golfs one off the turf. 
It was. I mean, the ball almost hit the turf. Really, yeah, it was a really good pitch. Like you can't fault the pitcher on that one. He threw the he threw the ball on top of his shoes, and yeah. Dylan Dryling just went down and got it. And then Chase Burns comes in in extra innings, and holy cow, what a performance! Uh, I mean, that was just he was the reason why all of a sudden that juice that we we saw last year every game all of a sudden we saw it again last night for the first time and you saw it again today and speaking of today i think we i think we want to talk about when christian moore got ejected in the 7th inning so in case nobody saw it there was a, a high fly ball down the right field shallow right field line um Blake Burke uh, drifted back, caught the ball. Dolander was covering first. When As he, he should. And the runner for Vanderbilt tried to get back to the base. And depending on what angle you see it from, because if you saw it from behind, which was the angle we saw it live, it didn't look that bad. Uh, it looked like the guy, I mean, do, to his, I mean, to, to defend that dude, Dolander was literally both feet on top of the base. The guy couldn't get to the base unless he hit the side of it. And so he just did what anybody would have done and come back into the base. But if you see it from the other direction, like from the outfield, you can see him shove Dolander pretty decently there uh, like that. And that's what Christian Moore saw. So like the first time you look, you watch it, you're like, why did he react that way? Because it didn't look that big, like that big of a deal because you could see you, you, if you saw it from behind, but when you saw it from the perspective, Christian Moore saw it from, then you understand more why he reacted that way. Now we could debate all day long if he should have reacted the way he did because it ended up getting him ejected and now he can't play tomorrow. And that's a big deal because they need him in the lineup. Um, I'm assuming now either Kendro or Jazz Love is going to start it uh, second tomorrow, but Christian Moore will not be available tomorrow. And you think, you know, I can see this from both sides, both both perspectives. On one side, you're like, that was wasted because they're up 17 to one at that time. That It was unnecessary. But the flip side of that coin, that juice that you saw in him at that moment, that's what propelled them to win last night and made them win today and made them play the way they did last year every game. It was that that juice, that that that, that motivation, that attitude that they had. That's what we saw all year long last year. And so it's a it's a catch twenty two. You mean like part of you is like, man, I wish he hadn't done that because now he can't play tomorrow. But by the same token, that's the kind of stuff that propelled them to success last year. So, and, and well, why they won two games so far this, this series. So we'll see what happens. I don't think of tears will be coming out of the lineup anytime soon. So I have a little different perspective on the shove. Go ahead. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I couldn't care less that he got ejected. And, <laughs> and honestly, if Tony Vitello could say what he wanted to say. If you saw his post-game comments, he said, I'm never going to get upset with a guy for defending his teammate. Then he followed it up with, I'm trying to stay out of jail. So now Yahuna. 
is his comments were very telling as well. Yeah. He said it didn't matter who anybody would have had Dolinger's back in that situation. This team all year, their major issue has been lack of leadership. And just in the last week or so, you've seen Hunter Inslee start reasserting or asserting himself pretty strongly. You've seen Jared Dickey start asserting himself very strongly. Last night, we saw Chase Burns very much being the vocal and motivational leader in those last three innings. And I love that Christian Moore said, Mm-mm, no, you're not going to bow him up. You're not going to throw a forearm into him. You're not going to shove him. I got you. And the other thing that's a part of this, Christian will absolutely be at the game tomorrow. He just won't be in the dugout while they're playing. So I can guarantee you he will lead every pregame stretch. He will lead every pregame conversation, and he will be the focal point for all the motivation they need to go out there and just beat the ever-loving stew out of Vanderbilt tomorrow. And Tony Vitello is a master motivator. He knows that this is something he can use, and I can promise you, Christian Moore will be front and center right up until the first pitch tomorrow. Then he'll go in the clubhouse where he's supposed to be. Um, but he will be extremely involved tomorrow. And I think this will be, I think this will be the tidal wave. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they come out and run rule them again tomorrow. I, I hope they do. That'd be wonderful. Um, I mean, my goodness, they, they got plenty of arms now that Dolander threw a complete game today. Yep. I mean, they have, and didn't really use much on Friday night either. I mean, pretty much the entire staff's available. Right, exactly. Um, Halverson hasn't made an appearance yet. Um, I mean, you've got you've got so Kirby many Canel. options. Yeah, I mean, you got you got so many options available. So many arms available tomorrow. If Beam or anybody gets in any kind of trouble, I guarantee you're going to see a short lease because they can just go to the next guy because they got twenty of them down there waiting. Uh, John said, who is this team? Let's keep them this way. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I, love, I totally agree. Yeah. They're, they're, they're talking, they're engaged. This is, this is a totally different group. And, and Hey, if it's snow, we saw last from, year. Yeah. If it snowballs from this point forward and they, they continue this mentality, they're going to be a tough out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's interesting in that two days ago, everybody's wondering, man, they're going to have to scrap and claw to make it to Hoover. I mean, like they were near the, they were going to be in the bottom, you know, a few teams that were going to sneak into the SEC tournament. And now we're seeing what we thought we would see all year long. And so hopefully the narrative has changed now. Hopefully the narrative is going to be who's going to stop them, which is what we thought we would be saying all year long. Uh, because we've now seen Dolander, we've now seen Chase Burns have the and the and the hitting that was reminiscent of what all we saw all year long last year, and so hopefully we're going to keep seeing those things as this year progresses. Anything else about baseball before we move on to softball? I'll be curious to see who Vanderbilt starts tomorrow. I'll, I'll be curious to see if they go right or left. Um, because we have, we have really hurt their right-handers. Um, they, they have struggled to get outs. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what they go with. Um, you know, they, they, they've got, 
their Sunday starters typically been pretty good. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what they choose to do. And like I said, I, I think you're going to, I think you're going to hear a lot of people post game talking about Christian Moore. Well, I can guarantee you one thing right now. I'm, I'd put money on it right now. The designated hitter hitting cleanup tomorrow is going to be Griffin Merritt because without Christian Moore in the game, um, you know, Christian Moore has hit anywhere from second, third, or fourth throughout this season. Well, without him in the game tomorrow, they're going to have to have another big, you know, big stick in that line in that lineup in that that spot, and it's going to be Griffin Merritt. I mean, it has to be at this point. Um, and they need they need Griffin Merritt to be the Griffin Merritt that they thought they were getting. That's what they need, and we've seen flashes of it recently, especially last night. Um. So I I hope that he is the cleanup hitter, and I hope he has a two for four, three for four game. You know, I hope he just mm. he finds his rhythm and finds his groove again. They're typical Sunday starters, left-handed, so the 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 lineup will be definitely stockpiled with right-handers. Well, moving on to the Lady Vols, they had a tremendous win today too. You know, here's the thing. I'd be curious to know if anybody knows this watching uh, hit, hit us with it, but I'd be curious to know how many run rule games the Lady Vols have had so far this year. And then the secondary stat to that is I would be curious to know how many run rule games they've had against top 25 ranked opponents because they have had a bunch of them. In recent memory, Virginia Tech, Kentucky, Florida <laughs> today, they run rolled Florida. It's the, it's the the third consecutive. Well, I don't know if they had a midweek. I don't know if they want, had a midweek game this week. Um, but you know, last week they played Virginia Tech midweek, run rolled them. Then they had the series at Kentucky, run rolled them, and now to start the Florida series, run rolled Florida. Uh, it's it's incredible what they're doing. I mean, incredible. They beat. They beat Kennesaw State midweek seven to three this week. There you go. The so thing that a run really, roll, but... the thing that should really concern Florida, Ashley Rogers only threw two and two thirds innings today. They took her out when they got the lead, so that means Florida's got to see her again on Monday. I mean, they're just it's it's incredible what they're putting together right now. They're having a season this year reminiscent of the Tennessee baseball team last year. Uh, I mean, like they're just they're dominating everybody, everybody. Thirty six and five. I mean, that's that's pretty dang good right there. That is incredible. Uh, so we hope they keep rolling. Um, and you know, if you've been following along, by the way, we're celebrating. This is our fortieth podcast episode today, so that's super exciting. Forty episodes. Uh, we so appreciate everybody joining us for those episodes, and uh, we love seeing familiar names comment and everything. That that's a lot of fun. Uh, like we saw John comment there a minute ago. Um, it's it's cool seeing you know the same people coming back, and that's really really awesome. Uh, if you've been following us over the last really two months, uh, we've been sporadically throughout our podcasts ending them with position previews for this upcoming season. And we have our last two defensive positions that we're going to preview today. Uh, the first, the first def- defensive position we're going to inter- interview, the first defensive position we're going to preview today 
is linebackers. Um, oh, hey, thanks, John. We appreciate it. John said, congrats, fellas. Uh, appreciate that, man. We appreciate you joining us, man. We, we always love it when you chime in. Um, so linebackers, uh, this is these two positions. We're going to do linebackers, defensive backs. The linebacker room is one that I am very, very concerned about, honestly, um, because when you look through the the depth chart right now, as it stands right now, this spring, and I know that can change, obviously I get that, but there are only 11 people on the entire roster right now designated as a linebacker. And that includes walk-ons. So not a huge deep room here. Um, the, the, the first two guys that'll step on the field are going to be Aaron Beasley and Keenan Peely. I don't think anybody has any doubt about that. Uh, for the sake of Tennessee's defense, I sincerely hope those two guys go injury-free the whole year. Because after them, you do have Elijah Herring, and you do have uh, – I looked it up today to make sure I was going to pronounce it right. It's Arion. 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 Like, you got to emphasize the E in the middle. Uh, I, I got that from Tennessee's uh, – speak to speak to text whatever <laughs> uh pronunciation guide arion arion that's how it is arion and so i mean eric we t- we mentioned this after our orange and white game reaction show arion carter dude he is a house man he he is a we talked about cam selden looking like an eighth year senior all right well arion carter looks just like him i mean that kid oh my goodness that dude, he is, he looks like an SEC linebacker right now. And he should be in the last semester of his high school career. So that's really exciting. It's also kind of concerning <laughs> that the backup linebacker, one of the first guys off the bench, is going to be a true freshman. Hopefully that means, you know, he's just incredible. But we'll see. Um, I think for everybody, we need to make, we need to really, really hope that Aaron Beasley and uh, Keenan Peely, uh, Keenan Peely, are both injury free the whole year. I think that's really what we need to hope for. What do you think about the linebackers? I'm terrified of them. Um, I, I think I think the first two are incredible players, but everything yeah. behind it is completely unproven. And yeah, we have. 15, eight, we have 23 days to go find another linebacker in the portal. And I sure hope they do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I got to think they will like, I, I mean, surely they will. Because there is no depth in there. Um, Elijah Herring is probably going to be a really good player. And, and I think the yep. step from freshman to sophomore year, I, I think we're going to see a, a huge step from him. And I think he'll end up playing major minutes and probably play really, really well. But, you know, you just mentioned the number four backer as a freshman. Right now, the top six, there's two true freshmen in there. Um, And if they're being honest, like they they probably want to redshirt Jalen Smith. But if worse comes to worse, he could very quickly be pushed into action because there's just not a whole lot of guys there. Um, I fully expect Beasley and Peely to be one and two. Herring and Carter to be second group and Caleb Perry and Jeremiah T. Lander to be the third group. Um, 
that's just a lot of unproven guys. They've got a couple other guys that they can look at. Um, the transfer from Liberty, Caleb Williams, and um, people people have continued to say the name Ben Bolton um, that he's had a great spring and and that coaches have been pleasantly surprised with him. Um, but again, you know when your your first two are absolutely proven, they are studs. They are they are going to be NFL players. Um, but your next six, it's a coin toss. So Aaron Beasley put his name on every single NFL team's radar last year during the Orange Bowl. Uh, that was that was his coming out party, and he he was the man on the field during that game. I mean, that was an incredible game by him. Um, so many tackles for loss. I mean, just just an absolutely phenomenal game. John said, I cannot wait to see what Beasley does this year. <laughs> I like that. We're going to use that. <laughs> I like that a lot. That's good. Um, I, I can't either. I mean, they need him to stay healthy in a real bad way. Because, you, I mean, think about this. Last year, he had Juwan Mitchell and, you know, Jeremy Banks running out there and then Aaron Beasley coming in. I mean, they rotated a bunch of dudes at, at linebacker last year. And, it, I mean, they were they were coming in and out, um, you know, almost swapping series and that kind of stuff. I mean, if you got – I will say this. It is good that Arion Carter, even his teammates, have mentioned him so far this year in, in the spring. That's been good. That's good. But I 100% agree with you. Over the next two weeks, they got to find somebody in the portal. Like, they, they just have to. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that is the one position where I think it is necessary. You got to find somebody just for depth purposes. Because if anybody gets injured – well, boy. So if they don't, I think what that should tell everybody, if you go way back to our recruiting episode, um, I made a really big deal about Jeremiah T. Lander. I think he's SEC ready. I think he is a going to be a big-time player at Tennessee. If they don't go get somebody in the portal, then that means Jeremiah T. Lander is the real deal and they're totally fine playing him as a freshman. Yep. Any other thoughts about the linebackers before we move on to defensive backs? Um, I think the wild card's Caleb Perry. Um, he Agreed. He looked pretty decent in the spring game. It's hard to tell. It's a spring game. But um, although I will say today's Alabama spring game, um, Nick Saban will actively be in the transfer portal for the next 23 days. Um, cause he got to find him a quarterback. Um, so I think I, I'm curious to see the growth of Caleb Perry. He, he looks the part and he seems to have really good instincts and I, I could see him playing major minutes if he continues the consistency that we've seen to this point. Well, they need him to. Like they, they need they need every person they can get a linebacker right now. Well, moving on to defensive backs. So this one is the most intriguing of all the defensive positions to me. Yep. Because I think everybody could agree, based on last year's performance, this is the group that needed to improve the most and needed the help needed help the most. But I'm going to say something here. Well, first, I'm going to read, just read P. 
people listed right now on the roster right now, which I know that can change. I don't think it will with the defensive back room, but I know it could. But people listed on the roster right now that will be playing this fall, listen to the the, the experience and, and depth of age in this group. I'm just going to go number order down the roster here. Danico Slaughter, senior. Jalen McCullough, uh, either fifth or sixth year senior. Yeah. Um, D. Williams, senior, which that one still baffles me how he never even really stepped on the field last year as a as a defensive back. Warren Bur- uh, Warren Burrell, redshirt senior. Kamal Haddon, redshirt senior. Brandon Turnage, redshirt senior. Uh, let's see. Gabe Judy Lawley, redshirt senior. Tamarian McDonald, senior. Wesley Walker, redshirt senior. Christian Charles, junior. Andre Turrentine, redshirt sophomore. So essentially a junior. Uh, and then from that point forward, you get, you know, freshman, 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 redshirt freshman, that kind of thing. So here's my opinion on this. Uh, as we saw last year, did I mention Kristen Charles Jr.? Yep. I, I think I skipped him. Maybe I didn't. So as we think about last year, I mean, in the, in the system that we, that we know Tennessee runs most frequently, there's going to be five defensive backs on the field at, at, at all times. Now, of those five, so it has to be a deep room. It has to be because you got to have people out there. As we saw last year, you get injuries at a two or three or four spots because at one point they had like four or five injuries with their starters. You end up with walk-ons playing in the most important defensive drive of the season as as – Alabama's marching down the field to kick a, you know, go ahead field goal that thankfully they missed. We had a, we had a walk on at safety in that, for that series, that drive. But I'm going to go back to what, uh, oh, what's the guy's name? Oh my goodness. Jimmy Dykes, Jimmy Dykes. So Jimmy Dykes said this at the beginning, the very first game of the year in the basketball season this year. Um, it was the Colorado game, Tennessee against Colorado. And he said, you know, Tennessee is a whole year older, but he's like, listen, just because you're one year older doesn't mean you're one year better. And I was like, man, boo. Yeah. He just hit the nail on the head. Just because you're older doesn't mean you're better. So here's my opinion on this. There should not be. I mean, how many people did I just mention that were either a junior, a senior, or a redshirt senior? I mean, my goodness, 10 or 11? I mean, it was like tons of them. So nobody, I, I I would be very curious to see if any other SEC team has that many people in their secondary that are seniors or redshirt seniors or even sixth year seniors. I'd be very curious to see that. No one should be able to throw the ball on Tennessee like they were last year. 
But here's the thing. It's still the same guys back there. So have they gotten better? That's the question. And I mean, this, that, that to me is going to be the single biggest question that we answer this fall. Now I do want to answer John's question real quick, because I think he's just asked a really good question. So do you guys think we'll be much better at cornerback, specifically at corner? Okay. Yes. No doubt about it. And I'm going to explain why safety. I don't know. Um, here, here's why I'm going to say confidently. Yes. At corner. His name is Gabe Judy Lawley. Uh, he was the, uh, as far as like Rustin found this stat last year when, when or, or a few months ago when Gabe transferred of, of the 290 something possible cornerbacks in the country in pass efficiency, pass defensive pass efficiency. He was ranked 92nd out of almost 300 guys. And it was uh, only the 300 who qualified. There's way right. more than that. It was the the top 300 corners in the country. He was number 92. I mean, he's he can legit play. He he can legit play. And so uh, I am very, very excited to see what he's able to do. The other corner is going to be Danico Slaughter. Um, I'll be shocked if it's not. Um, you know, we saw last year, the last two games of the season, when there were so many injuries in the defensive secondary, Danico, who was normally, they call it the star in Tennessee's defense. Everybody else call him nickel probably. Um, Danico had been playing that star position. He was forced to move over to corner because they just didn't have any other people out there. Like they had no one else. And man, he showed up big time. Uh, that was a really nice thing to see last year was Danico, how well he succeeded at corner. He played a tremendous game. I mean, we all think back to the Kentucky game. Uh, he had a beautiful interception down the sideline on Will Levis. Uh, then uh, the the uh, the Vanderbilt, and especially in the Orange Bowl, he showed that he he was claiming a spot at corner. And so I think if the first two corners that trot out on the field this year are going to be Danico Slaughter and Gabe Judy Lolly, and that's a really good duo. I'm, I feel very comfortable with that duo. It's a safety that I'm very concerned on. Well, not very concerned, but that, that I think there are more question marks. For example, Jalen McCullough, is, is, is he a sixth-year senior? Yeah, fifth-year. He's a super senior. That's what I thought. So uh, Jalen's a sixth-year senior. but is he going to be better than he was last year? I mean, just because you're one year older doesn't mean you're one year better. He, they need him to be better than he was last year. What they really need is for Jalen McCullough to have a Theo Jackson type year uh, that Theo had two, two seasons ago where he ends up getting himself drafted because he just bursts on the scene the way, I mean, my goodness, I remember the first two games of Theo Jackson's uh, season two years ago, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, dude is all over the place. And he was in the backfield making tackles in the backfield on, you know, tosses to running backs and stuff. He came out of nowhere. And they need Jalen McCullough to have that kind of year this year. Big time. They really need him to to really break out this year. Uh, and then at the other spot, you got, you know, you have two other uh, spots with the star and the other safety position. You know, is it going to be – Wesley Walker, is it going to be um, – will Brandon Turnage be the star? Um, 
Will it be Andre Turrentine or, or it be Tamari McDonald? I mean, you have so many options. Hopefully somebody asserts themselves as the dude. My question is, is Jalen McCullough even going to be starting? I think he probably will be, but it'll be interesting to see if Wesley Walker and um, Tamari McDonald step up like, no, we got it. <laughs> uh, it'll be, or Andre Turrentine. I mean, uh, I, there's just, there's so many questions back there apart from the corners the other three spots, the two safeties and the star, there's so many questions. And of course, time will tell the answer. But I think that is the most intriguing part of the secondary talk. And man, I hope that all that experience really pays off for him. So one thing we know about Willie Martinez, he loves to, to cross train. He, he loves to teach guys multiple positions. He likes to recruit guys that can play multiple positions um, really for two reasons. Number one, it just creates natural depth. You can you can have your best players out there at all times when you need them um, because they can play any position in the backfield. But the other thing it does, and they haven't shown this a lot because of just issues in the front in the past, it allows you to play a lot more man. And, and the reason it allows you to play a lot more man is you can start identifying the matchups you want and you can alter your personnel to fit the matchups you want. So, for example, Tamarian McDonald is a pretty good cover guy, but he's nowhere near as good as Brandon Turnage. So if you decided you were going to go straight man under with one safety over the top, you're probably going to see more Brandon Turnage than Tamarian McDonald at the star because he can play man better. Um, so I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of guys. Um, I was kind of stunned. I counted it up. They have 21 scholarship defensive backs. Um, that's a lot. But, you know, typically it's around 18, 19. 21 means they made a concerted effort that they were going to go stockpile talent back there. Um I think the one thing that's interesting, if you look at the possible depth chart, they have five, maybe six true freshman defensive backs that they may not need to step on the field at all. And yep. so they may redshirt all of them. Um, the other thing that's interesting, out of that 21 scholarship guys, only, only five of them absolutely have to graduate. So 16 of them at least are coming back next year, maybe 15, depending on what Gabe Judy Lolly does. But technically, 16 of the 21 could be back next year, even though they're an extremely veteran group. So, you know, I know they're really excited about the young guys. The, the six freshmen are all just absolute dogs. Um, they, they are versatile kids that can play multiple positions. You got guys like Jordan Matthews, Christian Conyer, Can Cameron Miller, John Slaughter, um, Jack Luttrell, Ricky Gibson Jr. Like there's some dudes in that freshman class, but the absolute best thing that could happen is if all six of them could red shirt and the remaining 15 cover the five defensive secondary positions. But it may not even take that many. They might be able to get away with 11 or 12. Because when you look at the depth chart, 
you know, Tank McCullough is definitely going to be at one of the safeties. The other one is probably going to be Wesley Walker. Tamarian McDonald is probably going to be the star. And then, like you said, Judy Lolly and Danico Slaughter are probably going to be the corners. But Danico Slaughter can also play the star. Brandon Turnage can also play the star. Brandon Turnage can also play corner. Brandon Turnage can also play safety. <laughs> so he can play multiple spots. Jordan Thomas. We, we've seen him do that in his time at Tennessee so oh, far. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he can do them all. Um, Jordan Thomas is a year older and a year better. We're probably going to see him get more snaps at safety. Wesley Walker can play the star. Um, you know, you've got guys, you've got true corners in, in, um, Warren Burrell and Kamal Haddon that if they have a, a, an injury issue somewhere else, either one of those guys have played a lot of snaps. They can walk in, play the corner and allow Danico Slaughter to slide over and help him one of the other slots. Christian Charles can play safety or corner. You know, there's just there's just a lot of versatility there. And and I think I think we're gonna see a lot of mixing and matching. I think you're gonna see people changing in and out based on the coverage they're calling. I think there's you're gonna see people changing in and out based on who they're covering. Um, and that's Willie Martinez loves that. He loves having that versatility. Um, to answer John's question, do do I think that we'll be better at corner? Yes, because we're gonna have one of the best pass rushes in the SEC. And secondaries are good if the defensive line is good. And our defensive line is one of the best in the country. So the, welcome the only 10 you see. I appreciate you joining us. Uh, asked, I noticed that the corners don't play very physical and bumping around coverage. Is that due to personnel or are they coached away from that? Okay, so I think I, I have an answer. What do you think, Rustin? It's definitely personnel. They they have not been comfortable with who they've had in the backfield. Um, they've also been very injury riddled. And so, you know, when you play a lot of bump and run, you twist a lot of ankles, you get little nicks and, and dings. And um, I think they've been concerned about depth. And so they've intentionally avoided playing man, but they've built the depth. They've definitely got the depth to do it now. So we, we should be seeing a lot more of that. And again, we, we've talked about the Keenan Peely quote. You know, he, a couple of weeks ago, he said this is one of the most aggressive defenses he's ever been a part of. Well, the only way you're aggressive is if you're playing a lot of man. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's a fantastic question. Thank you so much for asking that. That's an awesome question. Uh, and it's a great name uh, as well. So um, we appreciate it very much. And I totally agree with Rustin. Um, uh, Thank, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Thanks, guys. Um, anytime. Thank you so much for joining us. And I, I totally agree with Rustin. You know, the reason if you're going to play really tight bump and run man-to-man coverage, that means that your defensive line has to be living in the backfield uh, because you you have to be getting pressure with the defensive line in order to be able to do that on the outside. Um, and we have not been able to do that in – Oh man, uh, <laughs> a lot of years, <laughs> unfortunately, that we could say, I mean, we saw glimpses of it last year. The problem last year was that we had six defensive backs who weren't able to finish the season because they were injured. Yep. And so this year we have way more depth on defensive line than we've had in who knows how long. We have dudes that can get to the quarterback, we think, we hope, 
based on what we saw last year, uh, based on the guys we got coming in. Um, so the, hopefully with the, the improved defensive line being able to get to the quarterback, that would allow the secondary to play more tight bump and run coverage, and we'll see an even better defense. I hope. That's the hope. Now, I do want to – go ahead. I think the thing that people should be really excited about is Amari McNeil entering the transfer portal. And that's not a knock on Amari. He played a lot of good snaps last year. But anybody and everybody around the program, when they're asked why did Amari McNeil enter the portal, they always keep saying the same two names, Omar Norman Lott and David Hobbs. Um, the fact that Amari McNeil sees that those two guys are so good, they're going to take all of his snaps is a huge positive for Tennessee fans. We thought the defensive line was going to be stout. The fact that those two are already showing out to the point that guys are entering the transfer portal because they know they're going to take all their snaps. This is going to be one of the best defensive lines in the entire country. Uh, certainly the deepest. And when you think about, and let's, let's go back to this when we talk about defensive backs. If we're, th- if we're talking about the, the, the frequency that Tennessee's defense is on the field, as we all know, that's been a major talking point for two seasons because the offense scores so fast. I mean, they get the ball and no joke, 20 to 30 seconds later, they're in the end zone. And so here comes the defense right back on the field if you think about the, the, of the three layers of the defense, defensive line linebackers and secondary, I, I think we could, I mean, listen, they're all running all over the place all the time. Okay. That's the bottom line. They are. But as far as the quantity of field is concerned, I think we could probably all agree. The, the secondary is running all over the place, you know, if dude's running a, a go route down the sideline, the, that corner is is running forty to fifty yard sprints on that on that play, you know. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, people can say, well, you know, linebackers are going side to side too, and yeah, they sure are. They're all running all over the place. You know, defensive line. That's probably the most physically demanding spot on on defense because, I mean, it's a it's a battle every single snap. And when you think about the two positions we are deepest at right now on our defensive side of the ball, it's the secondary and it's defensive line. And so maybe, hopefully, this year we will see more fresh bodies in the game more frequently. And that whole conversation about, man, the the defenses have been on the field so much, it won't be that big of a deal because, yeah, they were on the field a whole lot but they were only on the field every other possession or something like that. You know, um, you know, they, they had guys coming in to give them a, a quick, you know, quick breather. I mean, you know, Rustin, we're talking about the defensive back. He mentioned a, a minute ago, yeah, Danico Slaughter and, and uh, Gabe Judy Lolly are certainly going to be the starters, but you've got two guys coming in behind them and Kamal Haddon and Warren, Warren Burrell Bro. Jr. who have started, multiple 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 games so they were the starting duo at the beginning of the season last year um i mean like so yep you've got good quality depth behind them so hopefully that's going to allow our defense to stay fresher that's going to keep them active the whole game long uh that's the hope 
that's the hope. I'll be curious to see how the new rule change that went into effect a couple of days ago helps our defense. Um, and and mm-hmm. honestly, I think it will help our defense because how many it's times shorten the games? Yeah, and they're expecting it'll shorten it by ten to twelve plays. So, how many times last year? For those of you who don't know what I'm referring to, earlier this week the NCAA passed the NFL rule essentially that after a first down, the clock will not stop. Um, they'll stop it to spot the ball, and then it starts back up again. Whereas in the past, you know, they, they have a little bit of time after every first down. Um, it's going to eliminate about 10 to 12 plays a game. How many times last year did we see teams that we jumped on really quickly, scored fast, and all of a sudden they did some unconventional things to try to keep up. You know, teams going for it on fourth down in the end of the first quarter, middle of the second quarter, because they're terrified that if they don't get a first down and keep a drive going, that they just can't keep up with our scoring. So they do you things saw Florida out do it the whole game last year. Yeah. So they do things out of the ordinary because they're terrified that they can't keep up with us. Okay, well is is winding a clock faster going to slow down our offense? No, because our offense doesn't care about the clock anyway. So mm. that 10 to 12 snaps a game that are going to disappear are pretty much all going to come from the other sideline. Well, if that other sideline was already having to do really unconventional things to try to play keep up, now they're going to have to start throwing the ball a lot more. They're going to get a lot more predictable because they're going to have to try to keep pace with us. That may, that means defensive line gets the opportunity to pin their ears back more often and just go because they know what's coming. Secondary, it's a whole lot easier to play when you know what's coming. And and so I, I think the new rule change is actually going to play to our advantage. And I think two years from now, we're going to have coaches who don't run the hurry up complaining about the rule change and trying to get it switched back to the old way because they can't get enough plays in to keep up. I think that's an awesome point. I think that's a really good uh, perspective on that. Um, I was thinking about that the other day and, uh, well, I totally just lost my train of thought. <laughs> you said something and it triggered something in my memory and I was like, oh yeah. And, and now I can't remember what I was going to say. Just the weirdness of how unconventional people are when they play us. Yeah, maybe that will, well, that's a shame. It was good. I thought it was a good point. Can't remember it now though. That's all right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's going to bug me now. <laughs> uh, I think, oh, well. I think it's going to be a huge, huge advantage for teams like Tennessee that play fast. And I oh, think that's what it was. I think it's going to have the reverse effect of what these other people were hoping it would do. So, you know, speaking of the defensive backs, um, Reed Carringer made a really good point when we had him on our show earlier this week. And if you haven't seen that yet, I'd, I'd strongly recommend you go watch that interview. Reed is the guy who does this magazine. <laughs> uh, this is, you know, the magazine everybody looks forward to every year, Football Time in Tennessee magazine. And so his family, are they're the ones who produce that magazine. He was on our show uh, Thursday, actually, is when that show was released. And he made a really good point about the defensive backs. He said, you know, last year, those numbers are inflated. 
because teams were so frequently having to play from behind against Tennessee that, you know, they had to throw the ball over and over and over and over. So those numbers are not really fair to the the secondary because that's all teams were doing was just throwing, 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 throwing. And, you know, Rustin, you made a good point with a new rule change. I mean, if teams are losing even more snaps against us and they're having to throw the ball even more and more and more, um, our rushing statistics are probably going to be really good. <laughs> our, yeah. our defensive, our defensive rushing statistics, it's, because it's, you it's can't run the ball and you got to throw it so much. You know what's coming. Yeah. I mean, like that, you, you running backs coming into Neyland Stadium are probably like, oh man, because <laughs> they know they're probably not going to get a whole lot of snaps and a whole lot of handoffs. Um, let's see. Uh, so Austin said, I, I had not thought about it that way, Rustin. Solid point. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, that's a great point. Um, John said, so you're saying, Nick, <laughs> have you seen, okay, there's a there's a company, I can't remember, I think it's called Smack Talk Shirts, I think is the name of it. Uh, they've partnered with Josh Mancuso, and there's a Not Today Saban shirt like that. That's pretty good. Uh, so you think Nick is going to whine even more? Sure hope so. Um if he is, that means we're winning. <laughs> I tell you, he's got a problem. Um, it, any and and it was interesting. So earlier this week, I'm I'm a big fan of Greg McElroy and, and Cole Kublik. I try to listen to their show every day. Um, earlier this week, Greg McElroy made a comment on the air that Alabama is not settled at quarterback. Um, somebody called in and said, "Do how do you think the quarterback controversy is going to go?" And Greg McElroy's response was, we don't have a controversy because we don't have a quarterback. That's an Alabama quarterback saying we don't have a quarterback. And then today, the Alabama spring game, Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson went out and proved it. Um, they could not possibly have played worse, both of them. Um, so Saban's going to have to get in the portal and find somebody. And literally, his sales pitch is going to be, you're the starter right now. Um, it's it's going to be fascinating to watch that unfold because he's got two quarterbacks that all both think they should start and neither of them are playing well at all. Well, and I mean, let's be honest, at this point in the portal, you are not going to be able to get somebody from another team that has been solidified as their starter. It's just not going to happen. Unless you've, got a, unless you've got a really convenient bag man that can uh, go out and yeah. throw an NIL deal at somebody without their school's knowledge. <laughs> uh, the only thing you see said, do, do you see more coaches trying to emulate our fast paced offense in the SEC due to this rule change? All right. You are asking some awesome questions. I'm loving this. Uh, I love this, man. This is great. Are we just ahead of the curve and benefiting from that? Okay, so, Rustin, you go ahead, and then I'm going to mention what Reed said on the show Thursday. You, you go ahead. People already are. Um, Clemson, Clemson has completely moved to our offense. After getting smoked by us in the Orange Bowl, they were like, well, if you can't beat them, join them. And they went out and hired a former Hypel assistant to bring the system in. Um, so Clemson's already running it. Uh, you'll see, um, Ole Miss, if, if, uh, if Lane, if Lane can ever get somebody connected to Hypel back, like when he had Jeff Lebby, you'll see a lot more of it there. He wants to do more of it. He just doesn't have the personnel on staff to pull it off right now. 
Um, you know, so Ole Miss definitely wants to. Um, it's interesting how Nick Saban and and um, Kirby Smart are kind of taking a step backwards. They're, they hired offensive coordinators that want to be a three yards in a cloud of dust, play action, pound the ball, and, um, you know, kind of boring offenses. It'll be interesting to see how that unfolds and if they end up having to make a switch to keep up. Um, poor Mississippi State. I like Zach Arnett. He's a really good defensive coordinator. But the only thing that's kept in, them in games for the last several years is the air raid. And so he goes out and fires the air raid staff and brings in a pro style staff. So you can pretty much be guaranteed Mississippi state's going four and eight this year. Um, you know, they're going to be terrible. Um, you know, Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt. They just can't, it doesn't matter what they do. They're not going to keep up. Um, Kentucky, I could see Kentucky adopting some of, especially if uh, Liam Cohen stays for a while. Liam Cohen is a genius offensive mind. Um, if they can keep him there for a while, I could see him adopting some of Heupel's concepts because he's just a junkie. He watches X's and O's like crazy, and he's always adapting what he does. Um, South Carolina, Clemson's doing it, so South Carolina will be doing it soon because they're going to have to keep up. Um, Florida, whoo, Florida's got issues. Uh, they, Florida needs to figure out what offense they're running first and then worry about if it's going to be, be – be fast paced enough to keep up. Um, so, you know, LSU, LSU definitely has some components of it. They, they've been um, talking about how they're spreading it out and going to try a little more air raid type concepts. Um, so, yeah, I think you're across the conference. You're going to continue to see more and more schools either go the route of Alabama and Georgia and say, we're going to pound it. We're going to eat the clock and we don't care what y'all do. This is how we play. Or they're going to go the route of Tennessee and be like, "We're going to air it out. We're going to we're going to spread it out. We're going to go as fast as we can." And um, I think there's not going to be a middle ground. It's going to be one or the other. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that you know, Reed mentioned this uh, Thursday night. I think he was right as well. Uh, people have have talked about Heupel's offense is gimmicky, and you know, it's just well, it's the scheme. It's just a gimmicky scheme. At some point, repeatedly being the number one overall offense in the SEC is no longer gimmicky. <laughs> at some point, it's no longer just, well, it's just the scheme. Now, at some point, it's because it's really good. <laughs> like, it's a really effective offense at some point, you know. I mean, we talked about how Reed brought up a good point. You know, Heupel's first year at Missouri, the year before he got there, Missouri was the last place offense in the SEC, dead last. In his first year as offensive coordinator at Missouri, they were the number one offense. <laughs> so they went from last to first in one year with Josh Hype. I mean, and then he, he comes to Tennessee. In Tennessee and back-to-back years, have just put up video game numbers on offense. At some point, it's no longer gimmicky, and people are going to have to take notice of that and say, okay, whatever he's doing, it apparently works really well. We got to do that too. And so, I mean, my goodness, I mean, you think about people are, are have even proposed rule changes, and, and then other people have tried to shoot him down just to try to slow down his offense. 
I'm, I'm thinking of the proposed changes about um, if a player goes down as an injured player during the series that they can no longer come back into that series. Uh, they can they get, they have to wait until at least the next series because people were faking injuries. And, you know, we saw Lane Kiffin literally tell a player, go down, go down, right? Like two years ago, he did that. And that's on camera. You, you can see him saying it. And so teams have repeatedly faked injuries against Tennessee just to, to slow them down. And people have said, Hey, we got to We got to change this. If, if it really is about player safety, if a player goes down on a series, then they need to go out for the rest of that series. Um, just for their safety, you know, and then the rules committee didn't change anything. Uh, there were enough, you know, voices out there saying, no, we need to keep it that way. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with Rustin. You're going to see more and more teams have having to adapt to what Hypel's doing because there's no arguing that it is far and away an effective, effective offense. Uh, it, it is not a gimmick. That's for sure. The NFL, the NFL is a billion dollar industry and the amount of people we talked about this with Reed, the amount of people who mentioned that at UT's pro day, I mean, there was just an obscene amount of reporters and media and different people who mentioned the number of NFL teams that were spending a lot of time with Josh Heupel, not to talk about his players, but to talk about scheme, um, the NFL does not copy something unless they know it's going to work. And, and the fact that they, because their livelihoods depend on it. Um, you know, the fact that that many people were commenting on how many NFL executives, coaches were just spending a lot of time with Josh Heupel, picking his brain about the system I think you might see it faster in the NFL than you do in the SEC um, because those guys want to win and they want to find any little thing they can to to maintain their jobs and, and keep the money flowing. So I'm proposing something here for the only 10 you see. Uh, I think we need to do a whole show of just your questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, our email address is thevolbros at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, we will do, uh, you are asking some awesome questions. And so if you want to email us, we'll just do like a whole show and dedicate it to you and your questions. <laughs> Cause I'm loving it, man. It's great. I, I'm, I'm loving these questions. They're really good. Uh, Austin, welcome Austin. And this is, I got a comment from him earlier too. It's good to see him back. He said Saban is a quintessential. Now this was in reference to uh, Saban moving backward and going farther away from a speed, you know, speed high, uh, tempo offense. Saban is a quintessential. Get off my lawn, guy. Life passing by. He ain't happy about. It. <laughs> uh, that may be referring to the the tantrum he threw on the sideline and kneeling last year as well. Uh, John referencing Texas A and M, which Bobby Petrino now at Texas A and M. Uh, he said, if Jimbo's can get out of the way, A&M will, will probably be up, you know, better too, up tempo too. Um, that's that's going to be, that's going to be must see TV. I, I do not know how that's going to unfold because Jimbo Fisher, if Jimbo Fisher really turns over play calling, I will be stunned. 
and one hundred percent, yeah. And Bobby Petrino is not going to sit in the box and give ideas. Like yeah. he is going, he he is just as egotistical as Jimbo. That that is a train wreck waiting to happen. One hundred percent agree, because I mean, let's be honest. You know, Jimbo that that's hit, that's been his thing. Uh, he he has been the offensive guy everywhere he's been. Yeah, uh, including the national championship game at Florida State. He was calling plays in that national championship game. I mean, like you know, he that's been his thing. And this last year was the first year where it's been kind of been like, whoa, it may be time to release the the reins a little bit. So you bring in Poppy Petrino, who has proven even in recent years to be able to put up some points on the board. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Cause you know, those, those offensive meetings are going to be very, uh, sensitive and touchy. Uh, you know, if, if Jimbo says, I don't think we should do that. You know, um, you know there were stories it. of, there were stories of Pruitt. And when he was at Tennessee where he would walk into, uh, the like the quarterbacks room with with Jim Chaney and and the quarterbacks, and ta- they're talking about you know what the game plan was for the weekend. Britt was like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, that's not that's not going to be helpful for if Jimbo takes the same approach at A and M with Bobby Petrino. So I won't name names, but I can attest that this happened. I know firsthand that this happened. There was a game plan in place that the team practiced the entire week with one quarterback starting Jeremy Pruitt walked in the, in the offensive meeting room on Thursday and told the offensive staff that quarterback's not starting. This one is the entire game plan for that Saturday, 48 hours away was structured around the quarterback they thought was starting and the and the one that he forced them to start could not execute the game plan. That's a really healthy scenario you had there. <laughs> um, unbelievable. Hey, Zach, what's up, buddy? Zach said good evening. I've been on vacation, but I'm back. <laughs> How are you guys tonight? That's what I'm talking about. We're doing great, Zach. Hey, uh, baseball's dominated. Lady Vols dominated. Uh, it's a good night, man. Uh, it's good to see you again, man. Good to have you back. Uh, Brent said, uh, Brent, good to have you back too. He said, it's always a great day when you plaster Vandy at the only sport they are decent. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. Um, I, it's a good day. Absolutely. Uh, John said for an injury, they cannot allow it. So we were talking about the proposed, you know, rule changes last summer that didn't get passed that should have gotten passed, but they didn't get passed. Is in that, you know, if, if someone goes down as an injury during a series, they have to exit the field for the remainder of that series and they cannot come back for it until at least the next series. And so John said for an injury, they cannot allow more than one person to be substituted. Lane Kiffin put three, four players in for one flopper. Yeah, I mean, they would you know, all of a sudden, that's a great point. You know, if somebody goes down, uh, you could essentially, you could sub your entire defensive line if you wanted to. Um, and, you know, I agree. You know, one guy, just that one dude. I, I get that totally. The only 10 you see said email coming your way. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, thank you so much. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, Zach said, Tennessee Crest. I love it, man. This is why I like having Zach on this show. Like pure 
unbridled Tennessee optimism. I love it. And Tennessee crushes AM 56 to 10. Mark it. Now, that A&M, game, he is predicting a score for a game that is in six months. That yeah, is October, he is. That's what I'm talking about. That is October 14th. I love it. I love it. We need to do a whole show of just Zach's predictions for <laughs> the whole season. I, that would get that would get all of all nation pumped up. Um, I, I do think we do need to. I, I, I saw an episode the other day of another show, and I think we need to do it. I do think we need to do a, a SEC records prediction episode and go through the entire SEC and predict what each one's final record will be. I'd, that'd be really cool. I'd love to do that. Uh, Zach said, cut my arm and I'll bleed orange. That's what I'm talking about, baby. See, that's what I'm saying. I mean, Zach would get all of all nation, but Zach, they, okay. We always hear about like the locker pregame speeches that Al Wilson gives. And it's <laughs> like, you know, everybody's like, man, this is like the, the best pregame speech I've ever heard. They need to put you in there, Zach. Like they need to put you in there and cause you would just get them pumped up. You get me pumped up, man. I'm loving, um, I'm so glad you're back with us, Zach. That's awesome, man. It's been a while since we got to see you on here, so I'm glad you're back. Uh, you're the man. You're the man. Uh, John, hey, this is a great idea. I like this idea. He said, you know, hit the like button, subscribe, and share. That is a wonderful idea. <laughs> uh, John is encouraging all of us to do what we say all the time. Hey, text a buddy. Danny White said so. Uh, text a buddy. Tell him about the Volbros, you know. Um, I, I think that's a wonderful idea. Uh, you know, sharing it super easy. You just hit the share button and it's on social media for you right there. That'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> I'm serious, Zach. I'm loving having you back. It's awesome. Um, go big orange. That's right. That's right. So we, we, we went away from the defensive backs. Did you want to say anything else about defensive backs in our preview? No. Yeah. I think um, I think if they can stay stay healthy, the combination of how good the defensive line will be and their overall depth, I, I think they're I think they're going to be fine. I, I honestly, again, I, I think the biggest question mark on defense is linebacker, and not yes. so much the starters. Just if one of them goes down, can we survive the next group? That's exactly right. Uh, it's what. What we saw last year with defensive backs and injuries is potentially what could happen this year with linebackers. And we just, we got to hope it doesn't. I mean, we got to hope it doesn't. Um, was, and, and I'm going to say this too. I also hope it doesn't for Keenan Peely's sake and for Aaron Beasley's sake, because yeah. those two dudes, they know this is their money year. Like this is it. Um, they think that, you know, they, they, they know, if they want to get drafted, it's this year. Uh, Keenan Peely, I mean, he even said that. When, uh, if anybody didn't see his Vol Club Confidential interview with, with VolQuest, I'd recommend you go back and watch it because he knows what this year is for him. He came here on purpose. Uh, he's going to try to make a living um, based on his performance this year for the NFL draft. And so, you know, they for his sake and for our defense's sake, they need him on the field because they need his leadership on the field. They need his football IQ on the field. They need him on the field. Um, 
Zach said, question for you after spring game. Do you think it's a three QB race? <laughs> I love it. Um, if, if Gaston Moore is smart, he gets a NIL deal for the next, what is this, April, May, June, July, for the next three months, he gets an NIL deal and sells as many Gaston for Heisman t-shirts as he can possibly sell. <laughs> because once practice starts and reality sets in again, Nobody will be making these comments anymore. But for the next three months, he's got a cash cow on his hands. No one throws like Gaston. <laughs> he get seriously, you get some like Gaston from Beauty and the Beast, like shirts, and talk about him, put a football in his hand. I mean, Disney probably wouldn't like that, but <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure um, you just violated about 18 copyright issues. Probably so, but. It'd sell, that's for sure. Gaston, Gaston Moore could sell him. He was slinging it, man, in the, in the orange and white game. Zach said he was watching it in Mexico. Um, that's what I'm talking about. International traveling right there, baby. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it it's, exci- it's an exciting time to be involved because I will say this, you know, we just finished our previews for all the offensive positions, all the defensive positions. Where, you know, I'll, I'll snip out the two positions we did tonight and put those online in our our series that we did we have a whole playlist on our channel right now of all our position previews for 2023 and if you go back and you watch them you'll see one thing that was different tonight than all the rest of them and for the first time tonight we said that there is a position group that is not deep at all that's that this is the first time we've said that because if you look at running backs this might be the deepest running back room we've had in literal decades if you look at the wide receiver room unbelievably deep just like it was last year if you look at uh quarterback really really deep if you look at uh because i mean you got three guys there and and i think we can make it through the year with three um if you look at defensive line maybe the maybe the deepest defensive line we've had in oh goodness 20 years yeah I mean, I'm thinking like 2001, 2002, back to back to that range. Um, maybe not the same quality of of like individual guys that you know. There's no big John Henderson or something like that, but the sheer quantity of guys that we can put out there without very with very little drop off in talent. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the deepest. Same thing with running back. Uh, you know, it's a quantity and situation. You know, and there's so many of them. Um, secondary, it should be a deep position. The only one that we cannot say is deep is linebacker. And so we just got to hope that Beasley and Peely, that they stay healthy. Um, yeah, funny you say it because you remind me of Gaston. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. Um, so, what time do the Vols play tomorrow, baseball team? I can't remember. Uh, I believe they're the 1 o'clock game. If anybody knows that's watching right now, you can tell us. I should probably should have looked that up before I started closing the show. <laughs> I'll tell you shortly. Yep, 1 o'clock on ESPN2. There you go. Um Hey, I tell you what, I tell you what, 
don't underestimate this. You know, lately, a lot of the series, even against the against Florida, um, against Arkansas, against even against LSU, at least one of the games was on SEC Network Plus or the ESPN app. All three games this series have been nationally televised. And teams have gotten to see Tennessee just play extremely well. More importantly than that, the NCAA Selection Committee has gotten to see Tennessee play really, really well. The national media has gotten to see Tennessee play really, really well. The top recruits in America have watched Tennessee beat the snot out of Vanderbilt. That's number four ranked Vanderbilt. Yep. So it's don't underestimate that. Like those those nationally televised games, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And it's it's good that Tennessee's playing that well right now because that can only help them on Monday when the new rankings come out. And those matter because I mean it's gonna it's gonna end up impacting they're not going to get to host a regional this year. I think we could all safely assume that it's not happening. Um, but that's going to determine if there are two or three seeds somewhere else, you know, uh, and that's a big difference between a two and a three seed. So, um, it, uh, well, I mean, I, I meant a three and a four seed, so two and a three is going to be playing each other anyway, but, um, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal that they're getting to see that. So, Hopefully they do it again tomorrow. Hopefully they, they keep that swagger about them. They keep that juice that they had. Um, and hopefully they put it on them. Any last thoughts before we sign off, Rustin? No. What a great day to be of all. Spring practice concludes. Um, you know, we didn't talk about it tonight, but we will next week. Uh, the Vols and Lady Vols both have been stockpiling talent. Um, you know, the basketball teams. Yep. Um, baseball's picking Vanderbilt apart at the seams lady vol softball beat up on Florida. I mean, it's, Oh, I don't know if you saw the golf team is actually, um, pretty much obliterating Mississippi state in their first round, uh, match for the, uh, sec championship. So, you know, everybody's everybody on the Hills playing well. So they had a freshman, I think, I think it was a true freshman win the title in golf for the, it's like the first time in, I can't remember how long, maybe ever. I can't remember, but I saw that tweet the other day. True freshman for Tennessee won the SEC title in golf. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's really good. All right. Well, hey, we appreciate all you so much for joining us. Um, this is so much fun. We love it. This is our 40th episode. That's super exciting. Uh, so we got plans. I got plans in mind for the 50th coming up so soon. So that'll be on the pace that we're averaging right now, that'll probably end up being in about five weeks, seven, seven, yeah, probably six or seven weeks. And so somewhere in there, um, cause we're, we're typically doing about two shows, so maybe five. Um, but so that I'm excited about that. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure hanging out with you guys. We hope all of you have a wonderful, wonderful evening and a very, very great Sunday. Go Vols, go Lady Vols. We got, Another round of games tomorrow in Knoxville. Uh, baseball hosting Vanderbilt. Ladies Wall softball hosting Florida. Top, you know, top 25 ranked opponents. So 
uh, hopefully, hey, that'd be awesome if we get back-to-back run rule days for both teams. That'd be incredible. So I uh, hope everybody has a great evening. Go Vols.